Good stuff. So Daniel chapter 10 tonight, as we continue our study, we're almost done the book of Daniel. Can you believe it? Unbelievable. Daniel chapter 10. And while you're turning there and finding your place, uh, again, exciting to be around the Oasis, a lot of cool things happening. And Brett was just telling me uh, before Bible study tonight that uh, Caleb is going to be uh, talking about our market on the move uh, for the community. So we're excited about that. Youth, sorry, I forgot to say goodbye. They're already gone. You can tell they really could care less about me. So anyway, that's all right. Oh, it's okay. Trust me, my youth pastor days are way over. Thank God for Chad. That's what I'll say. Daniel chapter 10. So um, as I shared last Tuesday night and Sunday, probably the most unique passage of Scripture for this reason. It's the only place in the Bible where something like we're going to talk about tonight is mentioned. There's other hints to it in other places of the Bible, but none like we find in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10 stands out to me for a couple different reasons. One, it reminds us that there is an angelic conflict going on at all times between the fallen angels that followed Lucifer in his fall, the, the demonic spirits, and the faithful angels who stayed with God and stayed his servants. There's always an angelic conflict going on in the universe. And there is also always demonic influence upon the empires, the kings, the governments, the presidents, the rulers of this world. Always has been, always will be until the coming of Christ to set up his kingdom. But the other thing that stood out to me in this chapter is cutting through that, you you get again to this man, Daniel. And even though he's this elderly saint by this time, he's in his 80s by this time, he's outlasted the entire 70-year captivity of God's people in Babylon. He was probably 12, 13, or 14 when he became a captive. So he's at least in his 80s at this point. All that he experienced, such a mature saint, and yet you see that Daniel still has his struggles and still has his needs. And yet the cool thing is that throughout this chapter, what we're going to see is every time Daniel had a need, God provided that need. And so I hope that when you leave here tonight, that you will be encouraged by having a relationship with the very same God that Daniel did, that whatever your need is tonight, God can and will provide it. The other main thing that I got out of this chapter, and then we're going to dive into it, is this, and I'll come back and reemphasize this. Why does the God of the universe, who could take all the opposition of the forces of hell all at once and totally disarm them, why does he even allow them the ability, if you will, the opportunity to oppose him and his work and to rebel? Well, no different than why God allows human beings to, in a sense, rebel against him and oppose him. He does it one primary reason, many reasons, but one primary reason. Because he wants to show that he is the God who can overcome opposition and obstacles. 
that His power is able to overcome the opposition that Lucifer, that Satan, the devil, and all of his demonic forces throw against him and his kingdom. God also shows that it doesn't matter how many people oppose him in his plan. That he is a God who has the power to overcome. And so I hope that you will take that away tonight as well. That whoever or whatever is opposing you and throwing up those obstacles in your way with your walk with God, that you will realize that God may be allowing it, but he, he wants you and I to learn at those moments that He has the power to overcome each and every opposition and obstacle that we will ever face. So, with that said, let's go into Daniel chapter 10 tonight. Very exciting chapter. Daniel, first of all, sets us in the historical context It was in the third year of King Cyrus of Persia. Why is that important? Because it was in the first year of King Cyrus that Cyrus said to the children of Israel, you can go back to your homeland and begin to rebuild it. So it's now two years later. And the reason why that is important and why Daniel here in this chapter is so burdened for the people of God is because, first of all, many of them chose not to go back. Many of them chose to stay in Babylon rather than to go back and, in a sense, have that pioneer spirit. And yes, it was going to be hard, but it was going to be worth it to go back and rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple and rebuild that city to the glory of God. Let me use a parallel with you folks who have come here and been part of this new church in the first year of its existence. You all have a a special character because not every Christian is excited about being part of a new church. Because there's a lot about being part of a new church that that people don't, they want to just be able to walk in, go to a church where everything's all set up, they've got everything all taken care of, and where stuff doesn't have to be built from the ground up. So I just want to commend you because it takes a certain kind of even Christian to be part of of a new uh, church that doesn't have everything together. And and where you and I can see what God does to, to do something like this. And obviously we're still in that mode. And that's exactly what the few of the people of Israel did. They did not go back and 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 really put in the extra work that it was going to take to build something back up from ground level. Secondly, if you recall books like Nehemiah in the Old Testament, you also realize that even those who did go back, went back and faced obstacle and conflict after conflict, and it was so hard to get anything done, even for those that did go back. And and they were getting discouraged, and Daniel was getting discouraged. Because he had such a heart for the people of God and for the city of Jerusalem and for what God wanted to do there that it just so burdened him that that's part of why he said it in the historical context. But within the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel. In the Hebrew language, the word message in my translation in every other place means the word of the Lord or is translated the word of the Lord. Daniel had a word from the Lord revealed to him. 
And this is why I think he also says this message was true. Because he wants us to connect that what God says, what God reveals is true, it's reliable. It may be incredible, it may stretch us a little bit to wrap our minds around it, and that's certainly going to be true in Daniel chapter 10. But Daniel is saying to all those who follow him and read this book, folks, this is true, this is reliable, this really happened, and this is really happening even right now. Because it is the word of the Lord. And he says this message is not only true, but it concerned a great war, or literally in the Hebrew, a great conflict. Now, Daniel had already been told about the great struggles and conflicts that the nation of Israel was going to go through throughout their history. So I think, again, if you study this in the context that it is set in, This great war or conflict is not the conflict that Israel's going to go through in their history. He's already been told about that. This is the great conflict that is continually taking place that for the most part was invisible to Daniel. For the most part in our lives is totally invisible to us. We don't know what's going on. We don't ever see what's going on. If God wouldn't have revealed it, we still wouldn't have known about it. And yet God wanted us to at least know there is also, in a sense, a cosmic conflict constantly going on between the fallen angels and between the faithful angels of God. And Daniel's going to get some insight into that for a specific reason that concerned him. He understood the message and gained insight by the vision. Again, reminder, insight and understanding comes through prayer. Because this was in response to Daniel's prayers. Don't forget to pray for insight and understanding in your life. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three whole weeks. This is how burdened he was for the situation of his people and of the city of Jerusalem. He says, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine came to my lips. I didn't even anoint myself with oil until the end of the three weeks. Daniel was doing all of this to basically get his being to have a laser focus on this that was more important to him than all the other externals that he just mentioned here. For him, it was all about, for at least a couple weeks, focusing on this because it was so important to him. And and I have to say, even reading that again today was another challenge to me in my spiritual life. How many times throughout my Christian life have I cared enough about something? Have I been passionate enough about something that I intensely prayed about it and fasted about it and focused on it for three solid weeks to where it was almost like nothing else was important except that. And and it was almost like, I am reminded, I think one of the struggles we have, and, and maybe it's just a world problem right now, even in the church, maybe it's just a church problem in America, I don't know, but it's almost like many Christians suffer from spiritual attention deficit disorder. 
that we can't focus on something very long. We, we have to, you know, we go to this thing and then we have to jump to that thing and then we have to jump to that thing. And it is part of why we struggle to really get into the Bible and stay in it long enough to get something meaningful out of it. It's why we struggle in our prayer life because it's almost like Christians, you know, I prayed about it once and nothing really happened. So I stopped once once, huh? I mean, that's sort of our mentality a lot of times. It's like we want that instant thing and we pray about something. It doesn't happen quickly. So we just, Daniel, three weeks. I mean, he was focused on this. And so it was a challenge to me from God, Jeff, find something in your life that you truly can be so passionate about that you're willing to pour yourself out to me and talk to me about it for more than just a few moments. What would happen in the church, and I I mean church in general, not just even the Oasis, although we could take the Oasis. What would happen here at this church if if we just, those of us who come, laser focused on just calling God to, to meet with us in a special way at this church and bring revival just to here? What would happen if we got this passionate about just that? That was Daniel. And then the Bible says in verse 4, On the 24th day of the first month, I was beside the great river Tigris. Why does Daniel also set us in the the, uh, time frame? I I think it's to explain probably why, again, he, he was so burdened at this point. This, in the Jewish calendar, corresponds to our mid March through mid April. That's. That's the Jewish first month. It's called Nisan in the Jewish calendar. It's our mid-March to mid-April. And there's two big Jewish feasts that take place from mid-March to mid-April. They are obviously the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And they both remind the Jewish people about God's great deliverance for them from Egypt. And I'm sure Daniel, as he was in that time of year... His, his heart and mind went to the fact of, of, of the potential and the plan and the purpose that God had for getting his people out of Egypt after 400 years and wanting them to go into the promised land and wanting them to absorb that land flowing with milk and honey and to defeat the enemies and to, to live there to the glory of God and be a light to the world. But that just hasn't materialized. And so again, I'm, I'm sure that Daniel's heart was breaking. But Daniel receives a heavenly visitor beginning in verse 5. Now there's much debate about who this visitor is. Was this just an angel or was it someone more? My personal belief is that this was the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And if you compare the description of this heavenly visitor in Daniel 5 and 6 to Revelation chapter 1, and the description of the glorified Christ that we just went over a couple weeks ago, there are many, many similarities. Daniel says, I looked up and saw a man clothed in linen. Around his waist was a belt made of gold from Uphaz. His body resembled yellow jasper and his face had an appearance like lightning. His eyes were like blazing torches. His arms and feet had the gleam of polished bronze. And his voice thundered forth like the sound of a large crowd. I believe the Lord Jesus appeared to Daniel. 
And in verse 7, only I, Daniel, saw the vision. The men that were with me did not see it. In fact, on the contrary, they were overcome with fright and ran away to hide. I alone was left to see this great vision. I want to point out a principle here. And that is that, that even when others are around, God speaks to us individually. We know that to be true. Every time we assemble as the church and we come together to hear God's word, there could be hundreds of people in the room. And yet God is going to have a message just for you and me out of that. God tailors it through his Holy Spirit to touch us exactly where we need it to be. And that's exactly another thing that we see happening here. Daniel says, notice, my strength drained from me. These experiences took a toll on Daniel. I think one of the things you and I learn as we spiritually grow and mature that spending time with God and in His presence isn't something that's just going to go, oh, yeah, that's nice. I, it, it's going to be intense to the point it's going to take something out of us. Now, it's going to benefit us immensely. But there's never an instance in the Bible where someone is in the presence of God and truly connecting with God where it doesn't take something out of them. But in doing that, it also builds something into them that can help them to be an overcomer like we talked about on Sunday. He goes on to say, my vigor disappeared, I was without energy. Verse 9, I listened to his voice. And as I did so, I fell into a trance like sleep. Literally, I went unconscious with my face to the ground. Now, in verse 10, I believe that an, an, an angel now does come. I, I don't think, obviously, that this is a continuation of the vision that he saw. This is obviously an angel because he's going to say so in just a moment. And the angel in verse 10 touches him and sets him on his hands and knees. I mean, think about that. Daniel, Daniel's even struggling to get to his knees. He, he's like, like this at this point. He's not even up on, on his two feet. And the angel says to him, Daniel, you are of great value. Literally, a man of preciousness. Is it hard for you to insert yourself in there? What I mean by that is, is it hard for you to consider that God thinks that about you? That you are a man or woman of great value to God? You are a man or woman of preciousness to God? You need to do that. You are of great value to God. If you were not, then Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would have never died for you and for me. He gave up His life as God so that we could have a relationship because He considers us of great value. We are precious to God. So you can understand why it breaks the heart of God when human beings want nothing to do with the relationship. Because from God's perspective, He values them. He thinks all of those human beings who turn their back on Christ are very precious. He created them. But yet they want nothing to do with the God who created them and loves them so much. 
I hope tonight when you leave here, you leave here knowing you are of great value to God, just like Daniel. And then he says, understand the words that I am about to speak to you. So stand up. For I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up shaking. And here's where we see the first instance of Daniel's greatest need. Because Daniel at this point is full of fear. And the angel says to him, don't be afraid. See, God meets Daniel at his point of greatest need, which was fear. And the word that the angel brought, the word of truth, brought faith to Daniel, which is the divine antidote for fear. This is the first instance we're going to see in this great chapter where whatever Daniel's need was, God was able to meet that need. Daniel was afraid because of the things that he was experiencing. And the angel says to him, do not be afraid. Daniel, for from the very first day you applied your mind or set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Now, several things. First of all, notice Daniel again, his single-minded focus. The phrase in the Hebrew, applied your mind in my translation, set your heart maybe in your translation, speaks just about how single-minded Daniel was. I mean, he, he was intense about this. And the other thing that impressed the Lord was his humility. You humbled yourself. By the way, it's very interesting. This word in the Hebrew for humble literally means to know your place. It doesn't mean to think that you're a doormat that everyone can walk on. That's not humility. But humility is knowing our place, especially in regards to God. We always need to know who God is and who we are in relation to Him. And Daniel did that. And that's part of, I think, what fuels our prayers, too. Let's not forget that pride, human pride, keeps us from praying, seeking God. Because when we don't pray, we're trying to figure things out and and all that on our own. It's when we're humble enough to realize we're in over our heads all the time that drives us to God. It says, God, I need your help. And the sad thing is, even as Christians, many times we think that we can figure things out and do things on our own without God. Especially the familiar routine things. We Oh, we've done this before. We got this down, right? We don't need to ask God for His help. And it keeps us from communing and communicating with God. We need God's help, His grace, His strength, even when we don't think we do. So part of what was driving Daniel's prayer life was his humility. He knew he couldn't do this on his own. And the angel says, Daniel, I want to tell you the very first day you started. So three weeks, right? Remember, 21 days? The angel basically is informing Daniel, the very first time you prayed, your words were heard and God answered it. But, he says, I have come to respond to your words. In other words, his appearance was clearly a response to Daniel's prayer. But notice this fascinating verse, verse 13. However, the prince of the kingdom of Persia was opposing me for 21 days. 
And what this verse is teaching us is this is obviously in the context is not some human prince. A human prince could not put up an obstacle to an angelic being from God. This is a fallen angel, a demonic spirit that was, in a sense, over the kingdom of Persia. And this demonic spirit, this fallen angel, was opposing this faithful angel from getting to Daniel and giving him the answer. Now think about that. God God wouldn't have to do this. God could just not let that happen. But again, God is so wise and so powerful that he can allow human beings choice and he can allow human beings to rebel and not to obey him. And yet he can overcome it and overpower it and get what he wants done. And he does the same thing with angels. He gives fallen angels the opportunity within certain boundaries to oppose his work and to rebel against him. But he always overpowers it. I want to share this with you. I wrote this down in my Bible for my sake, but I want to share it with you tonight. God's purposes are not thwarted, but achieved through conflict and opposition. For it shows his great power to overcome. God's purposes are not thwarted, but achieved through conflict and opposition. For it shows his great power to overcome. Daniel was probably, if he was like us, getting a little discouraged. He'd been praying about something for three weeks and he didn't have an answer. And one of the things that the angel is, in a sense, going to imply to Daniel is, delay does not mean denial. Just because you haven't heard back from God doesn't mean God hasn't sent an answer. There may be other things going on in the universe, Daniel, that you and and Jeff, you're not privy to, but you've got to know it exists, it's out there, and it's all part of God's plan. So even for us today, You and I have to understand that there is spiritual warfare that you and I directly deal with at times in our life where demonic spirits are opposing and attacking us. Ephesians chapter 6. But we've also got to understand, as Daniel 10 points out, there's also another level to that. That there are fallen angels and faithful angels that are engaged in conflict that sometimes we end up having something not happen or happen because of it. And we've got to realize that that's also a possibility. And that's why this angel wanted to get to Daniel. Not only to give him the answer, but to remind him, Daniel, I wanted to get to you three weeks ago, but this demonic spirit was opposing me from coming. But notice what else he says. But Michael who in the book of Jude, verse 9, is referred to as the archangel. One of the leading princes came to help me. Isn't this fascinating? It gives us insight into the angelic realm that that God doesn't give us too much insight into. A couple things that I don't want us to miss. First of all, by using the word leading princes, it reminds us that there is an angelic hierarchy 
both within the fallen angels and the faithful angels. That's why in the Bible you have angels referred to as cherubim and seraphim and archangels and whatnot. Because even within the angelic created order that God made, obviously there are certain angels that are more powerful than other angels. Which is why this demonic spirit that was in a sense in charge of overseeing the the most powerful empire on planet earth at that time, Persia, had the power to oppose this good angel from God from getting to Daniel for three weeks until Michael, the archangel, stepped in. So we have to remember that as well. That even within the angelic realm, there's differences of of levels, if you will, in the angelic kingdom. And Michael came to help this other angel so that he could get past the opposing angel and get to Daniel. By the way, I wrote this down. These faithful angels are a great example to the church in this way. They help each other when help is needed. They help each other. Michael wasn't like, come on, angel. You can do better. No, Michael was right there to go, you need help? Here, I'm here to help. Let's, let's get this message through to Daniel. And he helped the other angel. Now, I don't want to go into this too much because this would be an entire message. But I, I do want to say this. Another thing that this chapter teaches us is that Satan in his kingdom has strategically throughout history planted demonic spirits to influence governments and kingdoms. Just like he did here, Persia. They were the most powerful kingdom on planet earth at that time. And so it was either Satan himself or a very very high-powered demonic spirit that was trying to influence the king and kingdom of Persia. Can I just tell you by application, that same thing continues to happen today. There are demonic spirits in every government and kingdom trying to influence every government and kingdom on this earth to this day. So think about it from the historical perspective of the Bible. If the United States of America truly is, by the world standard, the most powerful, influential country, do you not think that Satan has sent his most powerful demonic spirits to try to influence what goes on in our government and in our nation Absolutely. That's why the Bible says that Christians need to pray for our government leaders and our nation's leaders and our state leaders and our local leaders. Because anybody that is in some kind of position of influence, just like pastors and church leaders, are going to have the bullseye of Satan on them. All Christians do as well. But obviously, the more influence that you have, the bigger the bullseye is. Now, obviously, God has faithful angels like Michael, who I believe is in charge of the nation of Israel. We're going to see that in a couple weeks. That has always been his primary responsibility. Michael the archangel is the one who always is watching over the nation of Israel. Not allowing anything to happen to that beyond what God intends to see his plan through. So let's move on. We could spend so much time there. Verse 14. 
Now I have come to help you understand what will happen to your people, the Jews, in the latter days. Remember, for this vision pertains to future days. This is not about the church, folks. Where people go wrong is they they meld the church and Israel as one. That will mess up your biblical interpretation. Always keep the church and Israel separate. They are two separate entities to God. You see. And this is about your people, Daniel's people, the Jews. So the angel explains his primary purpose was to explain what would happen to Israel in the future. Verse 15. While he was saying this to me, I was flat on the ground and unable to speak. Again, notice Daniel obviously overwhelmed by the prophecy of days yet future and how it would impact Israel now is rendered speechless. But notice God's provision for Daniel's need. Then one who appeared to be a human being was touching my lips. I opened my mouth and I started to speak. Daniel's first need was he was afraid. And God met him at the place of his need and said, don't be afraid. And gave him his word of truth to overcome. Then Daniel got to the point where he couldn't even speak. He needed to be able to speak. And so God gave him the ability to speak. And he said, sir, due to the vision, anxiety, pain, verse 16, has gripped me and I have no strength. How, sir, am I able to speak with you? My strength is gone. And once again, Daniel's need is met by God's provision. Daniel also says, I'm breathless. And so the one who appeared to be a human being touched me again and strengthened me. See, throughout this chapter, every time Daniel had a need, God was able to meet the need. If it was fear, God was there to help him with that. If it was, I can't talk, God would help him to talk. If it was, I need strength, God was there to give him the strength that he needed. God was behind it all, showing Daniel and us that whatever we need, God will be there to provide it. He's our great, great provider. Then the one who appeared to be a human being touched me again and strengthened me. Verse 19, he said to me, don't be afraid. Again, notice, these words were repeated because God knows that we need reassurance. We not only need assurance, we need reassurance. So once again, the angel says, do not be afraid. You are of value. You who are valued, peace be to you. And I love this. Be strong, be really strong. I'd like to encourage you to do something. I'd like you to encourage you to write down just those words, the first half of verse 19, and, and remind yourself of that for a week at least. The words are this. Don't be afraid. Verse 19, Daniel chapter 10. Don't be afraid, you who are valued, peace be to you, be strong, be really strong. Wouldn't it be great to get up every day and read those words? End the day by reading those words. And here's why they're important. Literally the word peace in the Hebrew reminds Daniel and us, God is in control. That's why we can have peace. That's why we don't have nothing to fear because God is in control. And then God is simply saying, Daniel, what you need is an inner strength and resolve. Be strong. Be really strong. 
That's what we need in the church today. We don't need just Christians. We need strong Christians. We need really strong Christians. And the only way we're going to get strong is through spiritual growth. That's why we're going to teach the Bible the way we do at the Oasis. Because it's through our spiritual growth that we get through being in God's Word and through prayer. In fact, let me give you four ways you and I can get really strong. Basics. Our prayer life. Prayer makes us strong. Second, the Word of God makes us really strong. Third, yielding to the Holy Spirit of God within us. Being filled with the Spirit. Surrendering to the Spirit. That makes us strong. And finally, getting around godly growing Christians makes us strong. See, it's not just about having relationships with Christians. It's about finding relationships with Christians who are growing and who are godly that make you strong, really strong. The problem is today, even in the church, we're weak. So that when opposition and obstacles and all this happens, man, we don't have the strength to endure that we need. And God is saying to His people, you're going to need extra strength in the days in which you live because the Bible clearly predicts that in the last days, perilous, difficult times will come. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. The Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. And God needs strong people to be engaged in the conflict that's happening. Let me wrap this up tonight. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And I said, sir, you may speak now, for you have given me strength. Don't miss what Daniel's saying and the important principle here. Daniel now had the strength to hear what he needed to hear. Don't miss that. What? What? As a pastor, as a counselor down through the years, sometimes I've been talking to people and realized through my conversation with them, they're not in a place where they can even hear what I need to tell them. You've been there. You've had conversations with people in your life where you know they need to hear something, but they're not in a place, they're not strong enough to hear it. Daniel is recognizing the fact that he needed this strength from God to be able to hear, to be able to truly hear the truth and absorb it and not just faint underneath of it all. And then the angels repeat, do you know, Daniel, why I have come to you? Now, that might seem like a strange question, but after all that Daniel's been through in such a short time, I think the angel just wants to make sure, Daniel, you you hanging in there with me? You still with me? You still know why I've come? Why Why this was all about? And then he says, now I'm about to return to engage in battle once again with the prince of Persia. In other words, this invisible spiritual war is going to continue. In fact, the angel says, when I go, the prince of Greece is coming. Remember, Greece is the empire that followed Persia. And the angel is simply reminding Daniel, this invisible spiritual conflict between faithful and the fallen angels will continue until the time that Christ sets up His kingdom. 
and the influence that the demonic spirits and fallen angels will try to have on human beings, on Christians, on churches, on governments, on empires, on kings, on world leaders will continue until Christ sets up his kingdom. That's why we need to be strong. But notice in verse 21, the angel now directs Daniel's attention to the more important word of God. He says, however, I will first tell you what is written in a dependable book, literally in the Hebrew, the word of truth. Same word that was used up in verse one, the message, the word of truth. That's what he brought Daniel back to. Why? Because even though God wanted Daniel and wanted us to get a little bit of a glimpse into the spiritual invisible conflict, he doesn't want us to be preoccupied with that. Because most of the time, if not all the time that we live here on earth, we don't even have any glimpse into what's going on out there in that realm. Daniel would have had no clue as to what was really going on unless God revealed it to him through the angel. So God is saying, Daniel and Christians, don't get caught up with that invisible war out there. Go back to the word of truth and let the word of truth be your guide. And remember that God has given to us everything that we need to be really strong. And as we talked about Sunday, being overcomers and conquerors, we don't need to be afraid of that invisible spiritual war out there even. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And even though there is that conflict, remember who's in charge of it. God is still in control of that conflict. And the reason why God even allows that conflict with the angelic realm is because God wants to demonstrate that he can overcome and overpower even the opposition of all the forces of hell if they were to come against him all at once. And because of that, God is calling his people to... Have faith in me. I'm in control. And then the angel finishes with this. There is no one who strengthens me, Daniel, against these princes, these demonic spirits, except Michael, your prince. Note again how the angels of God cooperate harmoniously with one another in the performance of their work in the kingdom of God. Again, they are an example, the faithful angels, to the church. If the church would just learn to help each other when we need help, if we would just learn to cooperate harmoniously together and realize we're on the same team, we're not wrestling, as Paul said in Ephesians 6, with flesh and blood, We're wrestling against rulers and principalities and powers in the darkness, these demonic spirits, and we've got to recognize that. And yet the church, down through its history, has been known as the place where we shoot shoot each other. We turn on each other. And every time we do that as God's people, the demonic spirits, What do they need to do? We do it for them. If we could ever get united, even as a local church, if local churches could just get united behind the common enemy and we could charge hell with a bucket of water, as I like to say, what we could accomplish for Christ 
Because most of the time, we're just... We lack the insight at times in our life. And the discernment to realize that these demonic spirits would like nothing better than, say, in our case, to come in and totally destroy this church and sink it so that it wouldn't exist. Because I personally don't think that the demons like it too well when the Word of God is taught and where people are growing and getting into the Word. That makes the demons a little itchy. And so we got to recognize that. We as a church are going to be under attack. And we've got to pull together and pray for each other and be strong. I mean, really strong. Because we've got to realize there's a conflict. And sometimes that conflict spills over into our lives and our lives are affected as well, just like Daniel's. So what a great chapter this is. Gives us a lot to think about, doesn't it? But remember something. Whatever you start thinking about, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God is in control of it all. He always sits on the throne. And He's allowing it to show forth that He is a God who can overcome and overpower any opposition or conflict or rebellion against him and his plan. Let's pray. God, I I would just ask tonight that you would give us here who are here tonight, maybe an extra dose of insight. Just just Lord, to, to be able to realize that So often, God, we're so caught up in in our our lives and our world that, that we forget the bigger picture. We forget the battle for truth. We forget the good versus evil. We we forget this to the point where, Lord, sometimes we're letting Satan get a foothold either into the church or into our lives. And God, help us to to be strong. Help us to be really strong. Help us to realize, Lord, that the Christian life is not a playground. People today, they want to be part of the church. They, They want it to be all about them. They want it to be all about their... what what they can get out of it. They want it to be on, on their terms, in their comfort zone. And yet, Lord, that's not the biblical picture. You want to create a strong army. Because, Lord, you remind us over and over again throughout your word that we are in a battle. We are in a conflict every day with the world system that is opposed to God. We are involved in a conflict every day with our own fallen flesh that wants to go its own way rather than yield to you. And we are involved every day 
in the spirit of the Antichrist and demonic spirits trying to influence us to go away from you. So God, we, we need to keep growing. And help us, Lord, to, to not only keep growing and, and keep getting strong ourselves, but to encourage other Christians to do the same and to pull together as a mighty army of God that, that God revival could, could take place on this planet and in our nation before Jesus comes back. That there may be many that come into the kingdom of God before it really, the spirit of Antichrist, unleashes on this world. God, go with us. Help us, if nothing else, Lord, in our own little way at the Oasis Church here in Southern Chandler to be that lighthouse that you call us to be. Help us to make a difference. That's all you ask. To just make a difference where we're at. God, help us to each make a difference where we're at with the lives we touch, with the people we come in contact with every day. Help us to make a difference for you, God. Help us to push back the forces of darkness that continually try to drive into us. And God, as we do that, help us never to do it in our own power and strength. But as Paul writes in Ephesians 6, finally, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. God, help us to be strong in You, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Guys, I'm excited. Can't wait for Sunday, Revelation 3. Thanks for being here. Have a great week.